We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Thunder fans? It is your boy, Taylor Peterson. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. And I am here tonight to bring you the post-game recap for the Thunder's big win against the Los Angeles Lakers. They won 107 to 100. It's pretty late here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're flirting with like 1245-ish a.m. And that's what you get with these late West Coast games when the Thunder have those West Coast trips. But you know what? When it's a Thunder win, we'll take it. I got the adrenaline going. I'm not too tired yet. So let's dive into this. Like I said, you know, the Thunder ended up pulling this one off. It was kind of pretty ugly, <laughs> which you guys will see as I go through this. But the Thunder have now won seven of three, or seven of their last 10 games, excuse me. They lost three of them. And they're still third in the West. Uh, that's due to the Thunder, or excuse me, not the Thunder, the Warriors playing one more game than they have. Uh, but they're still only one game back of the first place Nuggets, which is really, really big. So this was, even without, so uh, the Los Angeles Lakers did not have LeBron James tonight. But regardless, it was still a huge win for a team like the Lakers, who are going to be in the playoff hunt, obviously. And we have LeBron. Um, they're currently seventh in the West. The Thunder really needed this win. And to, just for confidence, as well as standings. And when it comes to playoff seating, you know, I think we're going to see wins like these to be really, really big. So like I said, there was no LeBron, uh, nor Rondo. Rondo's out right now. He had surgery on his finger, I believe, one of his fingers. Um, and also Kuzma left, Kyle Kuzma left after the first half due to a back contusion per the ESPN broadcast. You know, the Thunder, when you don't have, when the Lakers don't have Kuzma, LeBron, or Rondo, Thunder should probably pull this off 
by quite a bit more. But as you can see, it was a struggle for this team. And the fact that they were able to over overcome it still makes it a really good win. So the Thunder didn't have Abrinas. And just a quick little side note here. Slightly concerned right now for Alex Abrinas. You know, he, he's had some health issues in terms of illnesses in his immune system this season, which sucks for him, obviously. But then the past couple games now, the past two games, he's been out with personal reasons. And there hasn't been a lot of details. You know, a lot of reporters don't really know what's going on. Um, and they aren't holding anything from us. They really, the Thunder just aren't really releasing information out right now on Alex. So we, we really hope everything's okay with him. You know, we're, we're sending our thoughts out to Alex and, and hope that everything's okay with his health. Um, hopefully his family as well. And hopefully we can get him back here soon, particularly um, when we continue to get beat up a little bit physically. But so diving into the game. Introductions. They booed him every time he touched the ball. And it was not nearly to the level that when Kevin Durant came back his first time to Oklahoma City after leaving, and it shouldn't have been. But it was similar in the sense that they, they did similar things, like booing him when he came out, booing him every time he touched the ball. And I tweeted out, you know, what, did, what does Paul George owe the Lakers that they, the Laker fans feel they should be booing him? Anyways, they, they weren't happy. They feel like he should have at least given Magic a meeting. I don't know. Whatever it was. Regardless, it got into Paul George's head, and that affected him early on. He picked up three early fouls in the first quarter. That was huge. It kind of got him out of his rhythm, and it worried us a little bit. You know, the Thunder were hanging in there with the Lakers, mainly because of guys like Steven Adams and Jeremy Grant. But with Paul, you know, this is a game that you really want Paul George to get going, particularly with Russ struggling, which we'll get into. Uh, but he picks up three early fouls. OKC fouled the Lakers nine times. That's unacceptable. Um, early on, it actually wasn't due to the refs. I, I would say that the refs didn't have the best game again tonight, and it seemed a little bit in favor of L.A., but early on, it really wasn't. I mean, they, those were very straightforward calls, and the Thunder were just fouling a lot. They left a lot of shooters open, uh, particularly from the three-point line. And then at the end of the, of the first quarter, it was all tied up, thankfully, because of guys like Stephen Adams and Jeremy Grant. They were tied up at 25. Jeremy Grant and Stephen Adams actually had the same exact stat line, uh, seven points and four rebounds each, which is kind of weird. Paul George only had four points, and Russ had three points, uh, six rebounds, and three assists, which was kind of, you know, set the tone early on for his game. He was doing a lot of other things other than scoring. He had missed six field goals at this point of the game. Thunder only shot 36%, excuse me, but fortunately Lakers only shot 27% at this point. Second quarter, there really wasn't a whole lot other than the fouls continued to, or began to fall uh, in the Lakers' favor. The free throw discrepancy at this point, Lakers shot 18 free throws compared to the Thunder's eight. And it, I think Jacob, our guy at Jacob at ThunderMob405 tweeted out, feels like we're playing James Harden and not the Los Angeles Lakers. It just really was disrupting the flow of the game for a team that plays with pace like OKC does. That really affects us, and it, it was tough to watch for sure. But thankfully, at the end of the second quarter, what we all have been seeing all season, witnessing all season, what we were hoping for for this game, Paul George exploded. He began uh, dropping dimes, um, obviously scoring. He looked awesome. 
and that was huge. It set the tone for the rest of his game, and that continued us into the third quarter. Like I said, Kuzma was out. He didn't come back in after that, but Ingram got hot, and at one point it was like Ingram versus Paul George early on in the third quarter. They were just trading buckets. That was kind of scary. Um, Russ stayed cold. You know, he, he wasn't able to find his jumper, whether it was from three. You know, I, at one point he took a three-point shot, and you could just tell – by the way he shot the ball, you could tell by his form and his follow-through that it wasn't going in. That was really worrisome. Now, I saw him take another three later on in the game, and his follow-through looked, and his form looked much better. But regardless, his shot's just not falling. He wasn't taking any mid-range jumpers, and when he did, the few that he did, he was missing them. He was having trouble driving to the rim with big guys down low like uh, JaVale McGee and Tyson Chandler. It, it was ugly for him. Thankfully, the Thunder had Paul George, who continued to stay hot. At one point during the third quarter, Paul, uh, this is per the ESPN broadcast, I took a screenshot of it, uh, Paul George had 11 points in the third. He was 4-9. The rest of the team only had 5. They were 1-10 from the field, and outside of that one field goal, the rest of those came from the free throw line, which is just absolutely ridiculous. I think Kami are putting our slack um, that... I think the Thunder had 19 points in the third quarter, and nearly half of those came from the free throw line, which is ridiculous because the Thunder didn't shoot very well from the free throw line to begin with. So we we ended up uh, five of 23 in the third quarter, and we were somehow only down four. That just shows how poorly the Lakers shot, and the Thunder stepped it up on the defensive end as well. So finally, in the fourth quarter, Abdul Nader happened. We had a Nader warning in Los Angeles at Staples Center. He had a really nice fourth, or at least start to the fourth. Had a, he had got a nice two, and then immediately came down and got a three right after that. And from that point forward, the bench had a 10-point turnaround. Put the Thunder up five with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Steven and PG didn't actually even come in until around five minutes left, which was worrisome. I actually had to do like a little double take and be like, okay, why are Steven and Paul George not in? Um, there's, there's about, you know, uh, 5.30 left, what's going on? I saw them come to the scores table. But, you know, when you look into it, the the second unit was playing really well. They were going on a run there. They were playing solid defense. They were scoring. And I think this is actually a really good move by Billy, which we'll get into here in a second. But, um, you know, at one point, Royce Young tweeted out during the fourth quarter, the Thunder have shooting splits of 36, 26, 64, and they were winning. <laughs> I'm not really sure how that happens other than their defense is solid. The Lakers were missing shots besides a couple players like uh, Lance Stevenson and Contavious Caldwell, Caldwell Pope, um, which they both just seemed to go, to go off against us. But regardless, the Thunder were still in the lead, and that was huge, particularly when we bring back in Paul George. They had the largest lead of the night. They were up by seven with about 240 left in the fourth quarter. Russ still was able to pick up a triple-double despite his poor shooting night. Uh, he got his 11 triple-double of the season. And then he only shot twice in the fourth quarter, which is really huge. You know, I think particularly during the second half, we saw him maybe force a little bit in the third quarter there. Um, he was trying to find something, get something going, and he was just really struggling. So in the fourth quarter, he only shoots two times. I believe one was a three, one was a, uh, a two-point field goal attempt. And from there, he just deferred to Paul George, and that was huge for this team. So like I said, there was a lot of missed shots for OKC. They... And that's an understatement. They actually shot 40 of 105 field goals. That's good for 38.1% from the field, which is just absolutely terrible. And it's just absurd that you can win a game shooting that poorly. 
Meanwhile, the Lakers shot 37 of 89, and that's good for 41.6%, about 42% from the field. They, they weren't a whole lot better, which helped us out. But that's when the free throws come into play here. So OKC had 24 fouls compared to the Lakers' 27 fouls. And there was one point in the game where, especially in the first half, where it really felt like the fouls were one-sided. Uh, a lot were called against OKC. But when you look at the stat line here, and you see that the Lakers also had 27, makes you feel a little bit better. Um, I didn't really realize that until I was looking at the final stats. But regardless, when it comes to free throws, Thunder shot 20 of 31, which is just terrible. But the Lakers only shot 19 of 32. You know, without LeBron, that's going to absolutely kill you. And that's, I think, what a lot of this comes down to is free throws. The Thunder executed better on offense, and the Lakers can hit their free throws. Also, the Thunder out-rebounded the Lakers 64-54. to Russ led the team with 16. 16 rebounds. Our point guard led the team with 16 rebounds. Meanwhile, Steven only had, or Seeps, not only, Steven had 15. And it was just very balanced from there. I think Schroeder had seven. Um, There's one other person, was I think it was Jeremy Grant with seven. And from there, it was like a, a lot of guys with four. Um, there was a lot of hustle on that end, uh, on the boards, both the defensive and the offensive end. And that was really big for this team. You know, that, that creates transition points, which we, as we know, and as we've talked about on this podcast, that's when the Thunder team is the best. So another point I have here for the overall points is we had the full Russell Westbrook experience tonight. And what I mean by that is Russ was just absolutely horrendous from the field. He had one of his worst offensive games of the season, and that's saying something. He only shot three of 20 from the field. He was one of seven from the three-point line. He was just terrible on that end. But guess what? He still had a triple-double. He ended up with 14 points. He had 16 rebounds and 10 assists. It, th- that's all in 35 minutes. He also had two steals. He only er, he had three, four turnovers, which isn't absolutely awful. Um, 15 de- re- defensive rebounds. And he was still ended up being a plus one and plus minus. So that just goes... And I know that's not the best indicator, um, but I think in this case, it's pretty accurate to Russ, Russ's game. We got the full Russell Westbrook experience. Another player I kind of want to point out in the overall points for this game is Abdul Nader. He's a guy. He can play basketball, as, as Andrew Schleck would say. Um, he can play basketball. He He's looked solid for us the past couple games, and it continued into tonight. He tied Dennis Schroeder for the high score off the bench with 10 points. He had four rebounds, one assist. He was four or six from the field, and he played pretty solid defense. And it really makes you wonder, you know, when Alex Sabrina's, and that's the thing, he's he's taking these Alex Sabrina's minutes while Alex is gone. We saw Nader come in uh, towards the end of the first quarter, and he ended up playing 14 minutes overall, which was the second highest off the bench behind Schroeder, who played 29. So I wanted to read off something that Jacob put in our Slack here. He had a couple sequences from Nader in the fourth quarter. I think he brings up a really good question here at the end uh, of his of his sequence in our Slack that I wanted to bring up to you guys. He said, you know, Nader had a nice baseline drive and dish in Erlens, had a rebound, coast-to-coast take with a Euro. From there, he proceeded to hit a three, and this is all why he was playing acceptable defense. You know, he was competing on that end, and he was rebounding. So I think Jacob brings up a good point when he asks us later on, how many minutes does Alex have when he does get back, when he does get healthy, when he comes back from his personal issues, will he have that many minutes? Has Nader taken them all? 
you know, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see, and that's something to absolutely keep an eye on because Nader's played solid for us there. One final stat line I think that deserves a shout-out is Paul George. You know, like I said, he was getting booed on every touch. He got three quick fouls. It, it got to a point where I was a little skeptical of how he was going to play tonight. I thought maybe it was going to get into his head a little much, and maybe he's going to have a rough game, get in foul trouble. But he came out and just played incredible. You know, he, he continued his MVP campaign and proved that he deserves to continue to be in the conversation. He had 37 points, four rebounds, two assists on 15 and 29 from the field. Paul George has just been incredible. Um, one thing I want to point out here, Stephen got interviewed after the game, and he was asked about all the boos when Paul George touched the ball. And he said, quote-unquote, just a bunch of bullshit. And I love that so much. It's just such a Stephen quote, and he's just the best. Speaking of which, Stephen Adams didn't have a bad game by any means. He had 14 points and 15 rebounds. <laughs> he had more re rebounds than he did points, which I think is just incredible. You don't often see that, although I guess Russell Westbrook did also. But regardless, I think Stephen played a solid game. You know, he, he kind of struggled a little bit with some bigger guys down low, like Tyson Chandler, um, JaVale McGee. And also, I think, I forget who I was listening to, but somebody brought up a really good point here recently about when Stephen went out here a couple games ago, and he came back with like some tape on his shoulder. And he just hasn't quite seemed the same as he did during that stretch where he was just absolutely destroying everybody. You know, maybe he's a little banged up right now. Um, but regardless, I think he had a really solid game. was huge for us, too. So then, you know, just another point I want to bring up is Billy, Billy Donovan's rotations. I know our podcast, there was other podcasts around and uh, that you guys probably listened to who talked about Billy during that 0-4 stretch to start the season, how he may be on the hot seat, how Russ and others may not respect his coaching. Is he really a coach for this team? But since then, he's as responsible, honestly, as anybody for turning this team around. I think, you know, his his coaching and his rotations and his schemes continue to show that. And I just want to touch on his rotations a little bit for tonight. I thought they were really solid. I saw Mikey, Mikey Vera tweet about this as well, which felt, made me feel really good because I had these in my notes. So um, whenever Mikey agrees with something that you also or that you originally thought or had in your notes, I feel like that's a good sign. He's a really smart basketball dude. <laughs> um, but, for example, I talked about that fourth quarter run where the bench came in and we didn't see Paul George or Steven Adams until like five minutes left in the game. But, and, and honestly, I think Russ came in, like, I don't have these numbers, but I think Russ came in only like two minutes before that. And that just showed the confidence that Billy has in his bench unit. But also, he was able to find the perfect balance between leaving the bench unit in when those guys are hot, when those guys are on a run, letting them continue their run, but finding the perfect time to take them out to where they don't lose confidence because, you know, the Lakers throw on their starters and diminish that run. He was able to throw Paul George in at the right time when it was needed, and, you know, Paul George was able to close that game for us, as well as Russ. You know, he really, like I said, he deferred to BG. Regardless, I think the balancing of lineups by Billy has been really huge for this team and will continue to be moving forward. So my final point from this game is Terrence Ferguson I hope he's okay, and it looks like he's going to be okay. I believe Royce Young tweeted out that he went through the concussion testing, concussion pro protocol, and he passed. Um, he does not have a concussion, apparently, which is a miracle because the dude just jumped higher than anybody maybe I've ever seen in my entire life and then landed really hard, took a hard fall. He bounced right back up, and it was okay. And then, like, a couple possessions later, he's driving to the hole. Tyson Chandler comes up. 
It was pre in pretty intentional play. I wasn't very happy about it. He looked like he was starting to go for the block, and then he knew he wasn't going to get it. He followed through and just absolutely smoked Ferguson in the head. I think on our Twitter account, I joked around and said, was that Tyson Chandler or Mike Tyson um, because of the play on the Tyson name? But anyways, um, it, it's really good news for this team because Ferguson has been huge for us, particularly when, when he was out during that stretch. That was tough for this team. It, it really put a lot more emphasis on the defensive end for OKC because when you don't have a defender like Ferguson or Dre out there, other guys really have to step it up, particularly Paul George. You know, he can't play that, what we like to call here, the, the free safety role where he can go for the And Russ, in the same way, you know, they, they both lead the league in deflections. They can go for those deflections. When you have an on-ball guy like Terrence Ferguson who's just continuing to improve. I know towards the end of the game, he played such great defense on Brandon Ingram. Um, you know, his footwork has just improved so much. And as comrades pointed out in our Slack, like at what point does Dre become expandable? I'm not sure if it's right now because we've seen against certain guys such as James Harden that Ferguson's not quite to the level that Dre is, obviously on the defensive end. But if Dre can get completely healthy, you're going to be playing Ferguson in that role. Also, Ferguson can contribute on the offensive end. He can hit the outside shot, which he's shown a little bit this season, and he's continuing to improve on, where Dre has had no outside shot. So it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see if Dre can come back fully healthy, how he comes back, you know, how he looks on the offensive end and defensive end. Um, that's something to keep an eye on. So I'm glad Ferguson's okay. We're really going to need him when we play Fe uh, Portland, not Phoenix. Goodness, we played Phoenix enough freaking times this season, it seems like. It's insane. But when we play Portland coming up on Friday. Oh, also... One last thing I did not mention was the uh, the Russell Westbrook air guitar. It was in the second quarter, I believe. Yeah, after Paul George had hit one of his, I think it was an and one that he hit, and Russ played his air guitar. He was mocking Lance Stevenson. You know, that's his one of his go to Lance Stevenson's go to celebrations. Afterwards, he kind of walks over to the free throw to line up for the free throw, and he winks and blows a kiss. That was just an incredible moment. It was perfect. It was awesome. You guys sent me, I tweeted out. So uh, this brings up a very important question. What song was Russ singing when he was playing his air guitar? You guys gave me some really good good responses here. I got Rockabye Baby. That's a really good one from Andrew Martin, our, our good friend over at Passive Juice. Um, another one, Bites to Dust. That was pretty funny. Hit Me With Your Best Shot, uh, Baby Shark. That was a funny one. And then Thunderstruck, you know, that's another good one. So you guys gave me some good responses there. I had to mention that here at the end of the podcast. That was easily a highlight of the season, a Russ highlight of the season. Um, you got to love it. If you missed it, you can go to our Twitter account. I, t I tweet a video of it. You can go find it on there. So finally, let's uh, head into some Twitter questions. I had two here that I wanted to get to. The first is from uh, at Andrew Miller. Should Noel get more minutes? He's looking really good in this five-game stretch, sometimes even better than Adams. And, you know, I think that's a really, really good point. Um, I think that's something that Andrew Schlecht has touched on on Down to Dunk. And I would have to agree with both of you guys in the sense that I think it would be really good for Noel to get more minutes because it gives Adams a little more of a break. I talked about him earlier in this podcast being a little banged up possibly. And just the way he plays, and particularly with the minutes he's getting and the position he plays – He's going to get banged up throughout the season. If you have a guy like Noel who can come in and can continue to contribute, I know he hasn't put up the points, and maybe he doesn't even grab 
nearly as many rebounds as Steven does. But when he's blocking shots and playing solid defense and can play that defensive anchor role for that second unit, even some with the first unit, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him there. I think that's really good to give Steven a little more rest, particularly during the regular season. So, yes, I would really like to see him get more minutes. Not because I feel like he is any better than Steven Adams, obviously, or anything crazy like that, but because I think it can also really benefit Steven. So um, I'm with you, Andrew, and I think that's something that Billy should look at. Next, I have, let's see, who is this? I can't see his at, smooth underscore Vic. He's been a follower of us since the very beginning. A really cool guy. He's always interacting with us. He asks, why no cotton shot anymore for Russ? And I believe that is because he just doesn't have the confidence in his shot right now. You know, we've been talking about this throughout this podcast, but also our past couple podcasts. Russ just is not shooting the ball well this season. Outside of the two couple games that he, he two couple games recently that he's had, um, the first being against Phoenix, the next being against the second game I believe against Dallas, um, when he was shooting the ball much better. But he's just really been struggling from the field. We saw against Dallas, he started to use the backboard a lot more, and that kind of got him going. But overall, he's just really struggling there. So I think, honestly, I think that's why we're not seeing it, as well as it's just it's not a highly efficient shot. You know, we're seeing kind of seeing a new rust this season, and I think one of the things he's really trying to focus on is efficiency. And so that could be a reason that we're not seeing that shot as well, because it's not a highly efficient shot. When you're as fast and explosive Russell Westbrook is, driving to the hole, and you're trying to pull up from there, you know, that, that's a tough shot to make. So I think that's another reason for that as well. So thank you guys for interacting with me. I had a lot of fun tonight tweeting along with you guys. It was an ugly game, but it ended up being a fun game and a really huge one for the Thunder. So moving forward on Friday, we have another really big game, this time against Portland. We never seem to play good against Portland, particularly when we're at Portland like we are on Friday. It's another late game, 930. You know, we've, I, I have here that we really need Ferg to be healthy, and it's really good news um, since I've been podcasting that we got that Ferg is indeed, he, he passed concussion protocol so that's going to be really big for this team particularly when you have guards like cj mccollum and dame lillard so stay tuned uh we will have a post game podcast for you guys on friday we will have a group pod for you guys at some point probably this weekend after that game we've been trying to find some gaps in the schedule for you guys to give you some of those group pods um so stay tuned thank you guys for following along and thunder up Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.